While you're turning to 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 15, I want to remind you of Psalm 33, 4 that says, For the word of the Lord is upright, and all his work is done in faithfulness. I want to talk to you about the authoritative, trustworthy, infallible, inerrant word of God. And I want to go to this uh, text because it's paramount in today's world that we understand how powerful God's word is and the why of it, the fact that it's uh, something from God, it's God's word, and um, it's not just great religious literature, it's not just another one of the many books, but that this is God's word. And there is a, a volume of various evidences that support that, internal, external evidence, they call it, for example, archaeology. Did you know that the Bible has been reinforced by more manuscripts and texts than uh, any other ancient writings? This is, this is a very solid uh, uh, external indication. Also, you know, people have found people groups in 1905 or 6, the archaeologists found a group called the Hittites, which had been discussed in the Bible, and for a long time the critics were saying, that, well, this is invalid, there's no such thing as the Hittites, and then they found the Hittites. And they're, by the way, because knowledge is increasing, they're going to keep finding more and more, because um, Israel doesn't really have petrodollars, it has tourist dollars, and they used those dollars, and they had a wave of the dispersed come back through Glasnost and Perestroika, which in my view is the fulfillment of God's promises to the Jewish people. And in our lifetime, they've returned by the millions. The population has swelled, and they put shovels in a lot of these uh, Eastern Europeans' hands, and they found some of the most amazing things. I was in Hebron uh, with a, a, a Jewish man there, and he pointed to this wall that was from right after Noah and the ark. And it was right between an apartment and a street and a sidewalk. And I just... My jaw dropped. It was, to me, one of the greatest things I saw in all of Israel because they just found it, and it was between all this normal stuff. And I want to tell you, there's something about the Word of God in the midst of all this normal stuff that's better than silver and gold. And I'm telling you, God wants us to be, uh, hold His Word in high regard. And there's a, there's a, if I were the devil, I would come and attack our faith at its source. And th the Word of God is so powerful. It's a lamp to our feet and it's a light to our path. And listen, in this chapter three, for 17 verses, it articulates from Paul the Apostle to Timothy by the Holy Spirit that in the end times, the last days, difficult times will come. Who could say amen to that? And it's just the way it is. Now, some people could argue, well, this was written 2,000 years ago. So in 2,000 years, when it says in the last days, those, if the 2,000 year ago period were considered last days, because that's actually what was what Jesus called that era that we're now in, ever since the death, burial, and resurrection and the inception of the church, we're in the last days in terms of all of the process of things. And we're going to then go into new ages. There'll be a uh, Age upon age, not the new age like this a contemporary thing, this idolatrous thing, but age upon age, there will be amazing things up ahead for us. But this is what the moment we're in, and God's word has been affixed in our midst to give us 
uh, uh, certainty and security and produce faith. Faith comes by hearing the word, as I said. But he says, you know, they're going to be, people are going to be self-centered. They're going to be uh, greedy. Uh, they're going to brag all the time. They're going to be haughty. Uh, they're going to be attacking others. Uh, they're not going to respect or obey parents. They're not going to be appreciative. They're going to be evil, unloving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips, without self-control, brutal, haters of good, and so forth, treacherous. So these are the things articulated that give warning. But then it says, all these people, it says in verse 13, the evil men and imposters will proceed from bad to worse. I don't buy that we're, uh, humanity is progressing. I don't, I don't buy that that we're going to improve and create a utopia. I didn't believe what Karl Marx said about a utopian. Uh, it, it didn't work for him. It didn't work in his era, and it's not going to work because, in my view, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And uh, so there's a, the, a diminishment. And, and, and there was a doctor of science in our church that reminded me that the, what is it, the second law of thermodynamics is that uh, about, about, what is it, about uh, deterioration. Everything goes... Like somebody said to me, as soon as they finish building the arch downtown, um, you know, as soon as they put that last, have you ever seen the video of that last little wedge? Have you ever been up in that wedge? When the wind is blowing about 50 miles per hour and it goes whoop, 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 that'll make you pray in, in tongues, even if, you're, even if you're a cessationist. But anyway, as soon, listen, as soon as, as soon as that last, the second that they put that last little uh, arch top on the arch, it went from progress and a, a development to now maintenance. <laughs> the last time I was down there, they had to repair the elevators and all that stuff. And even though it's stainless steel clad, they have to tend to all the internals, right? So, so things are not improving in the world. The world is like eroding. And yet when you abide in him, Psalm 1, oh, hallelujah, I should teach this. Oh, you love Psalm 1? You guys love Psalm 1? Can I read it to you? It's not even part of my notes. But you're going to get something out of this. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's synonymous with the Word of God, the Holy Bible, Scripture. His delight is in what God's word has to say about things. Not what the path of the sinner, seat of the scoffers, counsel of the wicked has to say, but the bias or the appreciation is delighting in the word of God. And in his law, he meditates, ponders, focuses, speaks, memorizes, thinks about, comprehends day and night. He will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season and its leaf does not wither. Look at somebody next to you. See, your leaves aren't withering. And in whatever you do, whatever he does, he prospers. How about that? And it, when you're standing on the promises of God, whatever you do will prosper. Yet the world, in contrast, is, is really mixed up. And evil men are going and imposters are proceeding from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. You, however, everybody say you, however. Uh, continue in the things you have learned and become convinced of. Eugene Peterson, who was famous for translating the Message Bible, paraphrase uh, of the Bible, uh, Presbyterian minister, he wrote a book in the 1980s, A Long Obedience in the Same Direction. 
So I realize I'm preaching to the choir in some cases, but in case you're a new person, a new Christian, or you're seeking and you're not yet a Christian, uh, we have often and routinely had people in our church that announced to me, hey, I'm a Buddhist, I'm not a Christian, I'm an agnostic, I'm not a Christian, I'm an Orthodox Jew, I'm not a Christian, that kind of thing, an atheist. And, and we've had many different types of folks come in. Last Friday night, the man introduced himself as a United Methodist preacher. Lady next to him said she was a Lutheran. So, you know, it's amazing uh, how uh, God can bring all of us together and answer our questions. If we'll seek, we'll find. If we have an open heart, God can really reveal himself to us. So here it says, you, however, you keep going. You keep pressing in. Now, I talked about new people. Now, you may be at it for a long time. This will augment your faith. This will bolster your confidence. This will deepen your security in the word of God. So in either case, I'm giving you a, a refresher on the value and the power of the word of God. And here's what it says. It says, you, however, continue in the things you've learned and become convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them, and that from childhood you have known the sacred writings which are able, look at this, to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. It's able to give you wisdom that leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be adequate, equipped, for every good work. Wow, that is exciting. That God will equip us and make us adequate and help us. How many of you love the idea of adequacy? We hate the inadequacies of our life. But even when we're honest and we come and bring our weaknesses to the Lord, he said, out of weakness, I'll make you strong. I'll develop you as you mature in me and I'll cause you to be a new creature in Christ. I'll put my Holy Spirit on you and you'll be empowered uh, for the signs and the wonders and for the gifts and the callings, for the talents and the skills that are deeply embedded in your life. And on Friday night, I'm teaching on desire earnestly spiritual gifts. I talked about the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12 that are so beautiful, so to be sought after. He said desire earnestly two times. We should, and in fact, the King James Version says covet them. Well, in context with what I'm saying here, Paul says, look how whack and crazy the world is, but get back to your foundation, and it happens to be the sacred writings. It's the word. We need to be people of the word. Sanctify them in the truth, John 17, 17. Your word is truth. When Paul was preaching to Felix in the book of Acts later in the later chapters, he was discussing the truth of the gospel to him, and he said, Man, I, Paul, I think that your much learning has driven you mad. And he said, I'm not mad, most excellent Felix, but I utter words of sober truth. And I want to tell you, God's word is sobering. God's word is, is cheerful. God's word is enlightening. God's word is nutritional. Jesus even said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Heaven and earth will pass away, he said, but my word will not pass away. One of my all-time favorites, God's word is forever settled in heaven. And this is why we're having a meeting like this, to settle things in our own hearts today. And I'm telling you, I love studying the scriptures in my own personal time. 
in a chair in the outdoors when it's warm and even sitting on, under the porch when it's drizzling and just kind of just have a cup of coffee and read my Bible. But I'm telling you, my life has been changed by being in teaching in an atmosphere like this under a teacher, an evangelist, or a preacher, a, a pastor with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. This will help us to get our minds renewed faster than if we were just isolated trying to do it in our, in our, in our own study. It's, it's important, on the other hand, that we should study to show ourselves approved unto God. It says this in 2 Timothy chapter 2. Be diligent or study to present yourselves, verse 15, approved unto God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed. There's some work involved here. We're not saved by works, but we do our work heartily unto the Lord. We, we're not slackers. We get saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves, it's a gift of God. But then we are to supply diligence to our faith. And we're to study or be diligent to delve into the scriptures and search these things to see if they're so. And uh, so that we would be approved uh, uh, to God as workmen who do not need to be ashamed, accurately handling, the King James says, rightly dividing the word of truth. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Now there's a man named Miles Coverdale, who in 1535 preceded the King James Bible in, tr in translation. In fact, the King James group utilized Miles Coverdale's work as they developed the great masterpiece called the King James Version. In his translation, he talked about the techniques for Bible interpretation. Now, I'm going to give it to you in his 1535 Elizabethan English, and then I'm going to give it to you in my Pastor Jeff Southern Cal 2021 English. Okay, here's what Miles Coverdale said. It shall greatly help ye to understand the scripture if thou mark not only what is spoken or written, but of whom and to whom and with what words, at what time, where, to what intent, with what circumstances, considering what goeth before and what followeth. Everybody say... Yea, verily. verily. Look at somebody next to you and say, Thouest looks excellent today. Here it is in modern English. Ready? Four rules of Bible interpretation. Number one, you ask, who is speaking these words? Who is speaking these words? Number two, to whom are they spoken? For example, is this spoken by Isaiah the prophet to Hezekiah the king? about a specific in his life regarding his sickness and get your house in order, you're going to die, uh, and it's for him? Or is it Jesus speaking to the 12? Uh, or is it Jesus speaking about after the rapture and before the second coming? Or is it Jesus speaking to the early church? Is it Jesus speaking on the other side of redemption? Right? I'm not trying to complicate it, but when you start to understand this and you rightly divide the scripture, it'll help you not it'll help you to understand the Old Testament, it'll help you to understand the New Testament. Number two, to whom are these words spoken? Number three, to what purpose are they spoken? For what purpose are they spoken? And number four, under what period are they spoken? For example, is it during Moses' period? Is it during Abraham's period? Is it during the early church? Is it for today? And then this is how we can judge scripture with scripture and how then we're not tossed to and fro. This is how we can guard against deception. 
The Holy Spirit is there, and he says he will always and only guide us into all the truth. And so we judge scripture with scripture. We listen with a discerning eye, ear. We watch with a discerning eye, and he will help us. Now, again, Psalm 33, 4 says, For the word of the Lord is upright. That, that means worthy of consideration. It's not lopsided. It's not birthed by man. In fact, the Bible is, according to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, this underscores that it is God-breathed, like I said in 2 Timothy. All Scripture is inspired by God. Look, for know this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture is a matter of one's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever made by an act of human will. But men moved by the Holy Spirit spoke from God. You have on your laps, you have on the screen, you have as the focus of our, of our understanding, God's holy word. God authored it from Genesis to Revelation through people. So vast over a, about a 1600 year period. 66 books comprise the canon of scripture. I'm convinced that in the early period of Christianity, the Lord moved on councils and led people to wisdom, to judge scripture with scripture, the documents they had, that some made it into the canon of scripture, others did not for various reasons. They had a criteria that I believe was brilliant and it was, I believe God was on it, helping it out. And uh, I am satisfied on a very, very high level. I've been enjoying God's word with confidence ever since. There are a lot of great translations I use the New American Standard Bible. This Bible was done in 1971, and then it was updated in 77. It was updated from the American Standard Version, which was done in about 1901, I think. And then this has been updated in 77, 95, and now it's been updated in 2020. Uh, by updated, it's just tried to bring in the more modern vernacular without changing any of the doctrine. And um, here's what I believe about translations. Miles Coverdale even said that one uh, is a commentary for the other. So here's what's strong. Anybody ever hear of the Strong's Concordance? It's called the Strong's Exhaustive Concordance. And the reason for it is because A.H. Strong was exhausted after doing that with, a, with an oil lamp. With an oil lamp. I mean, that guy is, a, is my hero in heaven. That he put together a concordance without a computer. And he didn't just go punch up, let's look up the word blessed, hallelujah. And it's all there. It's like, I punch up the word blessed, and it's because it's the work of A.H. Strong on my, on my Strong's app, on my, my device. And it's like I can look at every word in the Old and New Testament of the word blessed. And then I can even look at the Hebrew and the Greek original language. And it's so helpful. It's so powerful. It's proven to be such a blessing to be able to go back and learn from the original texts and understand the various aspects of it. And here's what A.H. Strong said about the, his definition of inspiration of the scripture. I'm telling you, all scripture is inspired by God. That's why it's worthy and deserving of our attention. It's not just good literature. It's not just Christian rhetoric or Jewish rhetoric. It is the word of God. Special divine influence on the minds of the writers Special divine influence on the mind, minds of the writers. The Bible writers were unique. There's no more Bible being written. In fact, in Revelation, he even said not to add to the book of Revelation. And for that matter, I don't think anybody should be adding on. 
I talked to a guy in the streets in Tulsa, and he told me he followed a guy that said that Jesus didn't do his job fully, so he's coming in to help continue to do his job. It's like, Jesus did a good job, bro. That guy, you know, I appreciate your spiritual, but you need to take a U-turn and get back to the Bible Jesus, because this one's not the Jesus of the Jesusness. You need the Jesus of the Jesusology not, and the Jesusness, not this pseudo-Jesus. You know what I'm saying? Amen. And the scripture will help you with that. Special divine influence on the minds of the writers of the Bible in virtue of which their productions, apart from errors in transcription, and when rightly interpreted, together constitute an unfallible rule of faith and practice. An unfallible rule of faith and practice. What A.H. Strong, the reason he spent his adult lifetime building the concordance like he did was to provide a tool. And the reason he did it was he so venerated God's word. That guy as a Christian got it that the word of God was so substantial, such a gift. And he thought, how can I augment and help with the, the study of this, this gift? And so he went to tremendous labor. Personally, I don't even know how he could have done it, how he could have amassed and looked at every reference. He must have read the Bible thousands of times. And uh, man, thank God for it. But see, a lot of people are pushing back from the authoritative, trustworthy, infallible, inerrant word of God. And the reason I'm up here preaching this today is this is the foundation of our foundation series. Everything I'm going to teach from now on about the doctrine of God, the doctrine of the church, the doctrine of man, and so forth, all these different general doctrines that are shared by the, 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 within the pale of orthodoxy of the church, of the general body of Christ throughout the world, I'm going to bring these essentials into to bear, and it all comes and emanates out of this book. We get it from the Word. And so we've got to understand that when, when God says men, this isn't just for personal interpretation. People didn't make this up. Men were moved by the Holy Spirit and spoke from God. That's different than just having eloquent speech. It's different than just being creative. That's different than just having a religious message. This is distinct among all documentation. It's God's word. And I want to, if you're writing down notes, here's some definitions for authoritative Authoritative means able to be trusted as being accurate or true. Able to be trusted as being accurate or true. Reliable, worthy to be respected and obeyed. Reliable, worthy to be respected and obeyed. Proceeding from authority. See, God moved on people and they were inspired by the Holy Spirit. All scripture is inspired by God. What, do you ever get inspired to do something? Inspiration is a beautiful thing. But this is deeper than just that excitement, the excitability, and like, I've got an idea. These guys got something from God, and they were required to write it down. And God moved on them when they were out in the shepherd's field, or like Paul, in Paul's case, in a Roman prison with dimly lit little prison, and I guess he had a, some sort of writing implement. He was able to get some things written down. Aren't you thankful for that? And then this oral tradition and how God even preserved the oral tradition. 
so that, I mean, he's preserved it, and here we are all these years later, and it's, it's the opposite of flimsy. It's the opposite of baseless. I mean, this is a solid rock. In fact, Jesus even said, when you or I or we build our lives on his word, we're likened to the person, the wise builder that builds their house on the security of a solid boulder, where when the, when the rains come and the winds blow and the waves crash, our house stands. But to build it on anything else is very shifty and very flighty. It's like on sand. And then when the winds come and the waves crash and the rains come down, the house is devastated. And how great is that fall? My vision for you right now in 2021 is to preach the word. In fact, the Bible says, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience. Because uh, God has called us, and gentleness, God's called us to a moment. And um, Colossians chapter 3, verse 16, another one of the 316s, he said that we should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. And we should teach and admonish one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in our hearts to the Lord. That you'd be trained, adequate, efficient, strengthened for every good work. Reminding you that Ephesians 2.10 says that you are his workmanship. You're created in Christ for good works which God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. In Psalms, David said, the steps of a man are ordered by the Lord. Jeremiah said, the way of a man is not in a man, nor is it in a man to direct his steps. Jesus said, but, the, but that the Holy Spirit will guide us. And the Holy Spirit is guiding me to teach this. He was guiding you to get up and come to church today and plug in online and so forth. And it's in order for us to gain uh, 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 equipping, to be strengthened, to be fortified, so we can withstand all the challenges, all the spiritual agitation, all the harshness, all the resistance, in order that there will not be a dearth or a famine of the word in our generation. I'm part of something called a word movement where God moved in the time I became a Christian. I was talking to Paul Clark about it, who was here the other day, pioneer of the Jesus movement and the Jesus music. And he reminded me that, man, at the beginning when we all got saved, it was uh, testimonies and music. But then in about 1975, good teaching started to come. Some winds of doctrine that were not good, but a lot of good teaching. I'm grateful I had good teaching. And early on, I was able to discern so I wouldn't be tossed to and fro or carried about by every wind of doctrine. This is important. And like the Bereans, they searched the scriptures to see if these things are so. And that's exactly what our aspiration must be. And as a pastor, I'm responsible to encourage you to trust that the Holy Spirit will help you because, in fact, the Word of God is living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. He is, according to Jeremiah 1.12, watching over his Word to perform it. It's correct in Isaiah 55 that his Word does not return to him void or empty without accomplishing what it's been said to do. And by the way, Psalm 107 verse 20 is absolutely laser sharp toward you that he sent his word to heal them and deliver them from all their afflictions. Anthony Hopkins was an atheist and he was coming out of alcoholism. He said he was really difficult to work with. He had a, this amazing actor on top of his game and yet not, not doing well and by his own admission in alcohol. And a woman encouraged him to trust God. Well, he said, well, I don't even believe in God. But yet it started to nudge him. Now, I don't know where he's at spiritually, if he's ever gotten born again, but he's at least opened up to the possibility that there's a higher power. 
And in, that, in doing just even that, it's got him sober and got him in a more enjoyable life and made him more enjoyable. He said he was a jerk. And, and so it's, it's fascinating. Even you just take a, like you think about the, the, the centurion. You think about Cornelius. And he just gave God, he just gave God, started to give him just a, a little glance. He started to see the Jewish people as God's people and he started to honor them. And he would give toward them. And God saw it. And he took what he had and just, he, he responded to it. God responds to faith. And, and, and I think about the Japanese research scientist who sat over there with his wife and how he was so educated. He moved away back to Osaka and, you know, he came back and visited. He became a Christian. And in this context, you know, I'm in the South, I'm from Southern California and I'm in the Midwest and I'm from the word movement. And if we're not careful, we could live in a bubble and we could preach to the choir and, 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 and we can just sort of get content with that. But God keeps saying, no, wait a minute, man. There's a Cornelius out there. There's a, there's a Japanese research scientist. His comprehension of, is, is from the East. It's Buddhist and Buddhism doesn't believe in a personal God per se. And, this is the, and, and he, uh, he was more scientific. So the, and so it's like, God, how can I reach this logician who speaks Japanese and English as a second language? But yet... He had a Baptist wife. She is a Japanese woman born in Japan, but was, was a Baptist Christian. By the way, there are more Baptists than there are people. I just wanted you to know that, and I praise God for that. Thank God for the Baptists. But anyway, she was having struggles emotionally, and it's okay for me to share this because I'm not betraying their trust, but, but yet this man cared so much for his wife. that Think about it. Here's this scientific logic guy and he's a Buddhist, not even a Christian, but he finds this church, and I don't even know how he found our church. You know, we're, we're non-denominational, independent, Bible-based church, not particularly Baptist, and we're not particularly Buddhist. Although I told him we had a Buddhist section at our church, and he said, where? And I said, wherever you sit. And to make a long story short, he said, I'm bringing my wife here in case you can help her. And I don't want to stand between her and her faith. I know this is important to her, and maybe she can get some help here. And it wasn't even something he personally understood or experienced, had experienced up to that point. And I, I said to him about a year in, I said, you know, you're a better husband than some of the Christian husbands I've known. So what do you mean? I said, you're just, you're sacrificing. You're consistent. You love your wife. I do love my wife. It was just beautiful. Watching, it was like being with Cornelius and how God must have felt toward Cornelius that your almsgiving and your prayers are a memorial. They've come up like an incense to me. And I feel like there are lost people out there that are just starting to give an inkling of receptivity to God. And it's so important for us in this moment for us to get uh, enrich ourselves in God's ever-abiding, faithful, trustworthy, reliable word and study to show ourselves approved unto God. Workmen and workwomen who need not to be ashamed, handling accurately and rightly dividing the word. Study to show yourself approved. The guy got saved. The research scientist had a childlike breakthrough. And it's amazing. I was in California with a man that was Jewish. His parents had been in Auschwitz and Dachau. He said the Ivy League of the concentration camps. He was a Buddhist for 35 years. 
and he came into our meeting. He's, he's a certifiable genius along the lines of neuroscience, teaches at UCLA, has written many, he's published many books. A lot of the neuroscience technology is rooted in his teaching. And he comes into my meeting, and I look at him and I think, Lord, I, I can't go toe-to-toe with this man on his intellectual prowess. Uh, I, therefore, my persuasion can't be with sophisticated words. But I am not ashamed of the gospel because it's the power of God to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So God, I'm going to just trust you. And he came several months in a row. And I would ask him at a certain point. I'd say, hey, have you asked Jesus in your heart yet? He goes, not yet. Um, Is Jesus in your heart? He's in my head, but he's not in my heart. It got closer and closer. I said, you're only 18 inches away. So what do you mean? I said, 18 inches from your head to your heart. Oh, oh. I love triggering. I love triggering conversation with him and then stepping back and just trying to get at what, see what percentage I could understand. But what I did understand was eventually he had a saving knowledge of Jesus. And the scriptures, the sacred writings, make you wise to salvation. It's a fascination to me that it's not by might, it's not by power, but it's by the Holy Spirit. And it's not by our charm and sophistication. It's, it's by the power of the Holy Spirit that we're going to win souls. He that is wise wins souls. But our souls need to be renewed. And the word, hallelujah, it renews us, doesn't it? Praise God. The agnostic gave his life to Jesus right there. Went from, I don't know, I don't... I'm not sure to, he received the Lord. When his wife passed, he turned to me and he squeezed my arms, my shoulders so tight. He said, there is a God. He's comforting me right now. I didn't have his feelings or his, I didn't have what was happening. It was his moment, you know, but the comforter was comforting him in a a personal way. And I, I watched it with my own eyes and he went from darkness to light and he's been serving God ever since. The Orthodox Jewish man really grappled and struggled with his not wanting to forfeit his Judaism and not wanting to compromise and not wanting to betray his people and and his heritage. And I I didn't understand it because I'm not in that category. But by hearing him, I started to understand and gain a little awareness of the price he had to pay. But he paid that price. And after two years, he realized Jesus to be the Messiah, gave his life to the Lord, got wonderfully saved, and went on into having a ministry to share with uh, the gospel in in that way that so set him free. How about that? How about that? Out on the sunrise service, there was a backslidden daughter who was estranged from her dad. And I didn't know this. I knew her dad. I used to work with her dad. And her son invited her to the sunrise service out in the wet soccer field when we used to have it out there when it was usually muddy, freezing cold. She rededicated her life to the Lord out in the soccer field. She reconnected with her dad and enjoyed tremendous growth all the way to the end of her life. Thank God for that. The sacred writings are able to give us wisdom concerning salvation. And not only that, let's quickly go to Psalm 19. I'm running out of time. I've, got, I've bitten off way more than I can chew but I'm trying to endear you to God's word as best I can. 
And I want to read this to you from Psalm 19, just to show you some of the cause and effect of God's word. Listen, the law of the Lord is perfect. Not a lot of stuff is. Our upbringings weren't perfect. We're not perfect. There's nothing perfect in this fallen world. Everything is skewed, except God's word is perfect. And it restores the soul. This is your, this is your security. He's a wonderful counselor. He'll restore your soul. Your soul is your mind, your emotions, your will, your thinking faculties. How many times has God's word brought comfort to you and help to you? The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. I stood there with that genius in California, neuroscience, MD of neuroscience. I stood there with the research scientist from Osaka, Japan, the surgeon, the Jewish surgeon, the agnostic that spent time in India. <laughs> and I stood there and I thought, in my natural power, I'm no match for this kind of thing, God, but you are my strength. And your word is perfect. And I've got an advantage because I've got the word of God and the Holy Spirit. I've got something called the anointing, and you do too. And that, that you may be adequate, efficient for every good work. Your prayers get answered. God watches over his word to perform it. Your testimony is viable. Your life, as you continue, even when you're just, even in your silent aspect of your witness, people know what you're about and they're seeing what you're living and they're seeing the potential. And I'm telling you, they're going to continually come to the brightness of your shining. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. Boy, we need some of that. A merry heart does good like a medicine. And the entrance of his word gives light, it gives understanding to the simple, brings joy. Jeremiah said, your word I found it, I did eat it, and it was as sweet as honey in the honeycomb. Listen to this. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true. They are righteous altogether. They are more desirable than gold. What is gold costing now? One thousand. dollars or $900. I remember when it was $32 an ounce. I remember when gas was 25 cents a gallon. I remember when, uh, you know, $2.25 was good pay when I was in high school. But with God's word, it's more desirable than the highest gold standard value. It's inestimable. It's amazing. It's authoritative. It's trustworthy. The definition for trustworthy is able to be relied on as honest or truthful. Able to be relied on as honest or truthful. Something you can believe in. I don't believe that. Well, then you believe something. You have a don't bias. I don't believe any of that. I mean, listen, I'm a believer. I believe there's a God. I believe in Genesis chapter 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. I believe what it says in John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Or I wouldn't bother to be up here. I wouldn't have been enabled to be doing this for 40 years. I'm telling you, it has been purely God's grace and power. The answers to prayer from the saints. I give Jesus all the praise. I've been through things. You've been through things. We've been through some things. Some worse, some different. But we've all come through some things. And what has God done? He has sustained us. 
And you know, we wouldn't have been sustained had this just been make-believe, and we were giving our lives over to fantasy. Fantasy doesn't take you very far. You can only binge watch so much Hallmark, and then, man, you're done. I mean, after a while, I was like, I can't watch this anymore. They go and they make cupcakes at this inn, and then they reconnect with their high school sweetheart, and then this guy's not, don't you see, this guy doesn't have chemistry for you, he's not into you, and then it's like, and then at the end, you're going to kiss, and then it's going to be the next movie. And then in the middle of the summer, it's going to be a bunch of Christmas movies, and I don't get that either. That's not where this is oriented. This is infallible, incapable of making mistakes or being wrong, incapable. In fact, God's word by being infallible is never failing, always effective. God's word is true, so we stand on his word. I've had a number of people ask me to pray for them today about things. So I stand on the word of God. I pray in the name of Jesus. I know how to do it. And down the road, we're going to talk about the doctrine of prayer. We're going to talk about different kinds of prayer. I've got some good messages on that. But inerrancy of Scripture. Scripture in the original manuscripts does not affirm anything that is contrary to fact. Or another way you could put it is, Scripture is truthful. And so we have this amazing anchoring. And that's why Miles Coverdale in 1535 did the prelude to the King James Bible. That's why all the King James translators did what they did. That's why so many people have bothered to translate and bring into paraphrase in different translations all around the world. I mean, I've even got a Bible in Hawaiian pidgin. I've got a Bible in street talk. I've got a Bible in southern colloquialisms called uh, Cotton Patch Gospels by Clarence Jordan. I've got so many. I'm a collector of the New Testament. I love the Word of God. And I go to the King James. I, I, I so deeply love it. But some of the these and thous are unclear to me, so I love the New American Standard because it's taking my era into consideration without washing, watering down uh, the integrity of the literalness of it. So here we are. Hallelujah. God's word is alive inside me. God's word is dynamite inside me. God's word is not weak in me. It's strong. His word is powerful. It's, it's living and active and sharper than a two-edged sword. It'll help you through your sorrows. It'll help you through confusion. It'll help you when you're standing at the edge of a situation to witness to somebody. Taylor and I went to visit his, uh, his wife's uh, grandpa at the hospital. And um, the Lord spoke to me, go, go visit him. He's on his deathbed, go visit him. So we went and visited him. I walked in the room, I said, sir, and I knew about him. I said, sir, I've come to lead you to Jesus. You know what he said to me? Well, let's see what you boys have. Show me what you got. It's like, okay. I felt like it was the same kind of invitation like Paul the Apostle had in Acts 17, when they said, let's hear what this babbler has to say. Hey, this, this proclaimer of strange deities is here. Like, come on, come on up and give us a speech, uh, you freak. And uh, so instead of being, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to come here and talk. I'm going to dust, shake the dust off my feet. He's like, thank you for the invitation. And he came in and he ministered, I believe, very effectively with the Athenians, with the mindset of the pagans. In this case, I came with solid scriptures. I had never shared this scripture before with anybody, uh, I think, during a soul winning moment. Instruct those who are rich in this life not to base their security on the uh, unpredictableness of these, this world's riches, but in God. 
And, and, and I basically shared these verses with him and got him to this point, you need to receive Jesus. You ready? Yep, prayed for him. He received the Lord. He died the next day. Say, Pastor Jeff, why are you preaching all this? Because the word of God is true. It's valid. I've got a lot more stuff. There's a video I want to tell you about that has some of the most accomplished modern theologians that are stating a case for the word of God. It's about an hour long. I think it's on Netflix or Hulu. I'm gonna put you in touch with some of these resources. I think you need to all download the uh, Strong's Concordance app. You need to download the uh, Alexander Scorby app so you can play the Bible all the time. If you're not happy with the King James, you can find a modern translation. I just love the way Alexander Scorby reads the Bible. I've, I've just gotten so acclimated to it and it, it's just so beautiful. Um, I watch podcasts and I, I you know, I, I feed on scriptures and I, there's some amazing Bible teachers that are out there that have helped me so much in my life. Church is so vital. Don't let the, don't you let the devil run you off of church attendance, no matter what. Don't you let the devil run you off from fellowship, no matter what. Stay in fellowship, stay in the word, stay on your personal daily studies, Get in this environment. And the times when you just go, I don't want to go to church, it's probably going to be a word from the Lord for you. I found that to be the case over and over again. I see people come maybe once a month or so, and I don't know why. I don't get it. I, I, even if they have a, a mental issue, my Bible says that you could get healed from the mental issue. So you might as well go run toward God and not, and, and not just stay stewing in your own juices for the rest of your life. You might as well get in church. Well, that was Pastor Jeff. Reproving, rebuking. Let's all stand up and uh, I'll exhort you now. Get your Bible. Get a good Bible. Make sure that it's Smith bound so that it's not just glued. Make sure the pages are really good. Make sure the font is big enough so you'll read it and you, won't, you can read it without readers. So if you have to get a super jumbo mega font where there are only about eight words on each page, then get it. Right? Say this with me. This is my Bible. It's God's Word. It's a love gift to me. It's a lamp to my feet. It's a light to my path. Jesus is the Word made flesh. When I'm getting in the Word, and the Word is dwelling mightily in me, it changes my thinking. It fosters hope and encouragement. It develops wisdom guidance and strength and faith comes by hearing his word and healing comes by hearing his word and joy comes by the word I pray the word would go forth spread rapidly be glorified in my home in my heart amongst my loved ones in my neighborhood in my church in this city in the highways and byways. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge you as Savior. I acknowledge you as Lord. Be Lord of my life on all facets. I submit and surrender. Honestly, I really need you. And I'm grateful you've come. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Go out with joy.